Welcome back to the CTO Studio. I'm your host, Nikolai Walker. In today's episode, we're going to be talking to Ted Harrington about security testing and vulnerability scanning. And I want to start off by asking Ted directly, what exactly is the difference between black boxes and white boxes? Yeah, so the difference between black box and white box, these both refer to a methodology for how you approach security testing. And the primary distinction between the two has to do with information sharing. So in white box testing methodology, essentially there's a high level of collaboration, meaning um, when you hire your security partner to help you find and fix your vulnerabilities, you're sharing with them a lot of information like uh, access to source code, you're diagramming for them workflows, you're giving them access to engineers, you're essentially laying out for them how it works. Uh, by contrast, in a black box style approach, you limit all of those things. And this is actually the way that most people mistakenly think that testing should be done. Um, and the limitation comes from this sort of incorrect viewpoint, which is, well, the attacker doesn't have this information, so I don't want to supply that to my security partner because I want real world results. And, and that, that quote is actually used all the time. Um, but that's actually not what happens when you do black box testing because really all that you're doing is you're limiting information, which makes your partner's job harder, which makes your outcome less valuable. And so uh, you know, a way to think about it might be to use like a, uh, a castle as a metaphor. You know, castle is obviously a, a great metaphor for so many security concepts, but you might think about it like this. In a white box approach – the king who wants to make sure that his enemies can't come kill him might bring in some knights and walk them through the castle and say, you know, here's the trap doors and here's where the archers are and here's the, the moat. And, uh, but here's this secret tunnel that I have to get out in point of a siege. And in that white box approach that the, the knights, they don't even need to try to break into that tunnel. They'll be like, let's talk about this tunnel real quick. Cause someone might be able to come in it. Whereas in Black Box, those same knights would come to the outside of the, the castle. They'd look around. They'd see some of the same things like the archers and the drawbridge and the moat. But they wouldn't know about this catastrophic flaw that is a tunnel that goes straight into the king's you know, bedroom, basically. And so where does that leave the king? The same vulnerability exists either way. The only difference is in one form of testing, he had no chance of finding it. And the other one, they found it in minutes. So that's really the power of information is it enables you to get a whole lot more value, helps you understand how many vulnerabilities you might have, how severe they are, how they impact your business. And most importantly, it tells you how to fix them because, you know, those knights walking through the castle, they know how the castle works now and they know how the king operates with his king's guard and everything. So they're going to be able to say, hey, in the context of the way that this system works, here's the change you have to make. Whereas in black box, if they find a vulnerability, they're like, well, I don't know what it's like on the other side of the walls. So here's the problem. See if you can fix it. And Ted, just for a little bit of a clarity, because there are so many colors, what exactly is red teaming? So red teaming is an exercise that tests your security team's response, which is typically called your blue team. And so what's interesting about red teaming is the whole point – red teaming is another term, by the way, that gets confused all the time. It's often used as synonymous with penetration testing. It's not. Um, red teaming is you run a simulated attack against an organization. 
in order to see how do the responders behave? Do they follow the correct protocol? It's kind of like, imagine it as a, a fire drill, right? When the fire alarm goes off and you see smoke, does everybody follow the protocol and make their way through the emergency exit or do they start panicking or do they just ignore it? And that's essentially what red teaming is intended to do. It's intended to test the people who react. It's not actually testing the technology or the defenses themselves. Can you bring it home for me a little bit on two aspects? One, you mentioned to me that companies can actually use their security as a competitive advantage. Um, I'd love to know more about that. I also would like to know um, if you're in startup land, can you just give me some dollar amounts as investments where it's like, where does it start? How does it start? You know, is it two grand a month? Is it don't even talk to us if it's not you specifically, but maybe the industry or maybe you? You know, our minimum contracts are twenty grand. Blah blah blah. Like, like, just help any CTOs listening to this who's saying, you know what, it is a marathon. I do have to start early. I do need a trainer. I do need a coach. I have to have someone walk me through this. What is the earliest that we can start with this, so that we can eventually be ready for that marathon? So, just those riffing on those two would be great. Sure. Yeah. So let's start with competitive advantage, because in so many ways, this is, I think, the primary outcome of investing in security. And of course, you get all these other great things that come with it, too, like actually being secure and making you know better solutions and everything. But um, when we when we do these things right, right, when you invest in security and you do it in the right way, what you're able to do is not only fix the problems, but you're able to prove it. And that means that you can now go to a customer who is leery and has questions about security. Now, they're, that customer, they're most likely not out there only looking at security as one of their conditions, but there is fear in their mind about whether or not entrusting their assets to your solution puts their assets at risk. And you need to address that. And the way you address that is not by stonewalling them. And that's actually the way that most companies try to think about security today. They'll do one of the following. They will not talk about security at all. That's bad. The second thing they will do is they will talk about it in really obtuse and opaque terms that don't mean anything. You know, they'll, or they mean something, but not what they're trying to say. So for example, they'll say things like, oh, well, don't worry about it. We use military grade encryption. It's like, okay, well you use the same encryption as what the United States military uses, great. That's one little small speck of the overall spectrum. But the companies who do this, they're the ones who get their customers to be able to say, that satisfies me, great. I now am more comfortable working with you. Let's get back to talking about the business. And ultimately, that's what everybody wants, right? Let's talk about how we can all do business together. And the way you do that is you have to earn trust. So you have to, tell, you have to do three things. You have to tell them, what your philosophy is. What do you believe about security and why are you doing it? That sounds like it doesn't have place in a scientific field like computer science or, or building technology, but I trust you, uh, I assure you, it does. Second thing we need to do is you need to tell them what you found and what you're going to do about those things. 
So, for example, it's not as simple as you can't just say um, we have no vulnerabilities because no one's going to believe that because everybody has vulnerabilities. Instead, you need to say these are the vulnerabilities we found. Here's how severe they are. Here's where we're fixing them in our roadmap. So by this point down the road, you can rest assured these will all be resolved. And then the third thing you need to do is you need to show them how to verify what you're saying. One of the real challenges with using any sort of security in marketing is that it often falls short of anything that anyone can verify. So, for example, uh, you might see someone claim that their application is it's fast, it's easy, and it's secure. Well, I can determine if it's fast by using it. I can determine if it's easy by using it. I cannot determine, the average user cannot determine if it's secure by using it. And so the way you do that is by actually sharing your security assessment reports, allowing them to talk to your security partner who can speak on your behalf, um, and any sort of documentation that you have, white papers, just help people understand and verify what you're talking about. And if you do those three things, your customer walks away from that scenario saying, wow, yeah, okay, I feel better about security. Now we can move on to you know a better uh, we can move into a you know contracted business relationship. So that's how you gain it as a competitive advantage. And where the real opportunity is, there's there's sort of two ways to think about this. One is social proof, right? Social proof is, of course, the idea that um, human beings want to do what they see other people doing. Well, a lot of people, and by my research that um, I actually put in this book, it's about 45% of all websites out there within the context of what, what I researched, not all websites that might possibly exist, but within my sample size, 45% of application marketing websites mention security. So that's a good sign that people should realize, hey, a lot of other people are doing this too. I, sh- I should do this as well. But then the other side of the coin is where the opportunity is, which is that of those, that really large population set, the 45% who uh, are saying, hey, security is something our customers want, and so let me talk about it, it's less than 4% of the whole population actually talk about security authentically. So most people are saying, hey, security matters, but then they're throwing this nonsense out. Like, we're the world's most secure, whatever, but then they don't back it up. They're using claims like military-grade encryption. Um, People are still using terms like unhackable, which is why I had to title my book Hackable, because I'm like, no, this is not, that is not, not, you're not allowed to do that anymore. And so if you do that, you can realize, you know, for the, you know, obviously your audience is the people building these solutions, but there is a marketing brain amongst everybody that's building solutions and the marketers want those of us building solutions to know these things uh, as well. And we should realize that's enormous opportunity. If the customer wants a thing that 96% of the world doesn't deliver, oh my gosh, that's an enormous, enormous opportunity. Um, and I know we're at a t- almost out of time here, but to answer your your question about pricing, so uh, the short answer is it's obviously it's highly variable to everyone's uh, unique circumstances. But uh, one of the things that I have in the book, and the numbers are getting refined right now, I don't have it completely uh, finished, but is some benchmarks to help people think about based on either revenue, on headcount uh, of developers, or on your budget for software development to give you some actual, um, like a litmus test. Are you, are you in the right bands for what your investment is? But I'd say for, uh, the, 
this the super startup right the pre-funding no you know you're still your own money that's funding this thing it's really not that expensive to get that first level of advice right to just get a consultant who can come in and help you say okay the way you're thinking of building this this is this part right here is gonna be a problem so think about building it in this other way and that's i mean we're talking like single digit thousands of dollars is what that advice costs and then obviously as you get into really thorough assessments it gets up in you know crosses over a hundred thousand dollars you know pretty easily but that's your orders of magnitude right you're not talking about millions and millions of dollars until you have a larger company or larger revenues and and things like that thanks again for joining us here in the cto studio We'd like to thank our guest, Ted Harrington, who is the executive partner of Independent Security Evaluators. He's also the author of Hackable. So I encourage you to go pick up his book, hackablebook.com. Please go check out the company, securityevaluators.com. Also dig into 7CTOs.com. And for a continued discussion about this topic and others, please head over to the ctostudio.fm. And please subscribe to the podcast. As always, we will see you next time.